Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Tricky Kid Radio. I am your host, as always, Roy Turner. Got a great show for you this week. Got some heavyweights in the, uh, the film industry, especially here in Texas. We're going to be talking with John Robeson. He's a, been a major heavyweight in some of your favorite productions, uh, along with Mindy Raymond. Uh, she is an actress that you're familiar with. She has been in uh, a lot of great, great productions that I'm, that I'm sure that you're familiar with. Uh, they started a new studio down there uh, in Austin, uh, which is becoming this, this mecca uh, for films called New Republic Studios. And, uh, and the studio's first big hire is Mindy Raymond. And Mindy's also the outgoing executive director of the Texas Motion Picture Alliance. Uh, now she's the uh, New Republic's Director of Marketing and Development. And uh, they kind of launched this uh, at the Austin Film Festival last year. Um, but now, man, their team is off and, and running with booking shoots and, and, and all types of stuff. So uh, I can't wait to have them on here. Like I said, we're going to be talking with, with Mindy all about her career. Uh, we're going to be talking with John Robeson. Uh, lots of great insight into... The filmmaking process, uh, the incentives for making a movie in Texas, um, what they're doing in legislation legislation to, to help and lobby for films to be made in Texas. Lots and lots of very, very informative, informative uh, uh, subject matter and, and, and uh, information this week. So, so, so stick around for that. Like I said, you know, we, we cover all types of different great things here on this show, and, uh, and I'm very happy and proud to be able to bring you uh, this week's episode with, with so much great information for, uh, even if you're an experienced filmmaker, there's a lot to learn here. Uh, if you're from out of state and think about making a movie here, this is the show for you. If you're just getting a startup here in Texas, this is the show for you. Uh, so, and speaking of Texas, uh, one of the first things we're going to start with, actually, is one of my favorite weekends uh, in the whole year actually occurs in Texas, in Frisco, Texas, which is the Texas Pinball Festival. It is seriously one of my favorite weekends. I look forward to it every single year. Uh, it's just a great time. It's it's reputable in the pinball world as being one, like one of the biggest, you know, if not the show. Because it's there's so many great vendors, uh, people who bring their custom machines, one of a kind stuff, high profile stuff. We had you know the Incredible Hulk uh, was there. Luke Ferrigno was there this year. There's always some high profile stuff. There was some great Incredible Hulk machines. You always get to see the new the new machines uh, this year from Jersey Jack and Spooky Pinball and all the great there. And so we're gonna bring in. Uh, a uh, Jim Burl. He is a walking, talking, freaking encyclopedia of all things pinball. He was uh, a vendor this year, as he is every year, has been going for like, I think for like 15 years. And he brings a whole row of his own machines that, that he has bought and serviced and worked on and upgraded and then all type of stuff. And he is just such a, such a joy and a good friend of mine uh, to talk with. I mean, again, the guy can talk pinball like, I don't know, man, like I can talk music and baseball, I guess, but it's just rare that you can see somebody that, that, that has such a passion and such so, so a great thing to be around that. So let's go ahead and welcome Jim Burl uh, to the show. And, and 
look for him and his machines um, all around Texas, especially uh, plan on attending the Texas Pinball Festival. Uh, make sure you go by and say hello to Jim. They're actually already booking uh, for next year. The hotels there, the embassy suites there in Frisco, usually go pretty quickly. Uh, so go ahead and, and you know, reserve your room now. So let's welcome Jim Burrow to the to Tricky Kid Radio. Right, right, right. But they didn't just keep repeating that formula. They then they broke out and did the 21st century thing. Right, someone's going to take it, take them to the next level. So right. now that that's worked, and even an unlicensed theme like Total Nuclear Annihilation has now succeeded. I'm hoping that manufacturers will take current licenses for things that are new yeah. in 2018 or at least this decade, the hot things for now. Right. Um, that takes more risk, but I think the reward's going to be great because then when people hear of a pinball machine named such and such, they're like, Oh, they're making pinball machines now because right, they can't sure. think. Oh, that's forty years old. It's right? Maybe like a Stranger Things or uh, you know something exactly, you know, more current. Yeah. You know, but I think also is it fair to say too? Is it is it? Let's say that um, you know they make something much more relevant, like a like a Stranger Things or black. Um, you know, you know. I mean, I know Black Panther is an old old cartoon, but what I mean, I mean an old an old comic book. But let's say like a brand new relevant show like like I said like a Stranger Things and they make a Stranger Things pinball machine where are people going to see it that you are a Stranger Things fan because in spite of the fact that there is a big resurgence of these kind of retro arcades you see popping up you just came from one just a few minutes ago um, I think the reason why that the average pinball player that isn't the, the hardcore people like you and I that attend these boutique shows and know all the history of it to them, it's like an 8-track or something because you don't see 8-tracks, so therefore they don't make them anymore. They're used to going into a pizza parlor, going into the gas station, going to places where these games once were, and they're not there anymore. They don't realize that there's this thriving thing that's, that, that's just that. It's thriving, but it's not mainstream still. Do you see, in your opinion... What what do you think it would take, like besides a Jersey Jack and a dialed in? What what do you think it would take to get it out of these specialty arcades and these specialty events that we go to, and kind of back into something that people are used to seeing again? Yeah, I think it's going to take some faith to for places like you see new places now that are like Pinstack. That are not retro. Well, tell our listeners what Pinstack oh, is. Oh, yes. Yeah. So in Plano and, and Dallas, Texas well, this area. Is a, this is a global podcast. Yeah, this so, is Dallas, yeah. Texas, USA. There is a small chain of bowling centers that are like deluxe bowling centers that besides the bowling, they have food service and beer. And they have a game area. But they're not retro arcades. They're just arcades. arcades, And so they feature new games. Right. And I think any place that you have people waiting, you know, if you're waiting for... Originally in 82, there was a 
Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man cocktail table game in every Pizza Hut. Every Pizza Hut. Yeah. That was, for me, going to Pizza Hut was just as much about playing Pac-Man as it was about the pizza. It was so exciting to go, and it was the only place I'd ever had seen it in that format. That's right. And the thing is, is pinball is... It's been proven now in the last few years it can be a social thing. It doesn't have to be a solitary thing. So any place you have people waiting, you can have a pinball machine and two people can play it or they can run a contest for high score. You can stream it. You can run in a a place can run an event that'll get people to eat you know, their pizza or their right, right. whatever. And, and but you need, the thing is, is the people who are in the middle making those kind of decisions are risk averse too. Nobody's going to bail them out if they finance an idea and it goes bad. So they're afraid of risk. Some of them remember the decline of games, right, arcade sure. games, and they're not quite caught up yet that there's a resurgence. Well, you think it's also, how much of the coin-operated thing do you think has something to do with that? Because, you know, not a lot of people carry cash, you know what I mean? And, yes, there's a wonderful new project, product called PayRange. I don't know which product is going to be the answer, but PayRange is a good idea. Is Now you walk up to a pinball machine with your phone and, and, you, and you pay. And you can do it. And you can pay. I've never seen that. That's interesting. Yeah, they're... There's a successful arcade in Indiana, I believe, that has pay range on all their games. Okay. And I also think that a system where people just... Uh, restaurants and places have an advantage that they can just put a game on your on your check. Yeah. And it's just another line item like a soda or... Because I've done it at bars before, where I said, "Can you just put a couple, like a couple dollars, on my tab and give them to me in quarters, and I'm going to go put it in your in your machine yeah. over here?" You know. And the thing is, is back in the last high of pinball, the technology wasn't there yet. Right. Now you can have a, a little remote like this. The operator can give this. To stick in the cash register. Well, explain because people can't see That's this. That's right. They yeah. can't see this. This is my garage door opener. Okay. It, and I don't keep it in my car. I keep it on my keychain. Okay. And that way, it. one thing, I don't have to worry about somebody breaking out my window and get my garage door opener. <laughs> right, right. Because it's, it's usually on me. But, yeah, this remote has four buttons on it I can operate four different things and if if this was in a cash cashier station you know you could say yeah put five games on the pinball machine for me and she goes click 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 and that's it and that's it and the games are on there and and then you walk over and play them and and I, and I don't think to, I don't think in the 90s you could have even if you had the technology, I think the social part wasn't there to do that. But now I think it is. So that's the kind of so the resurgence could be not only you know a, a renewed interest because people always want what they can't have, and then when it went away, you know people got older and started to miss it. 
but what would take it to the next thing to, rep- to bring it back to the mainstream, what you're saying, would be technology. Yeah. Now, in closing, uh, we've got a few minutes left here. I wanted to hear what are some of the other things in the future of pinball that you're excited about? Like I said, you're the, the way for people to be able to pay for the game, the way for people to be able to have access to the game. But what about the actual content of the game itself? Tell me some, tell me some other advances that you're, that you're seeing that, we may, that people that listen and know about pinball may not have heard about. I think we're going we're to see two things happen. We're going to see more compelling stories. We've, we've finally cracked the video on the game, and it, and it wasn't a technology problem. It was a content problem. But I think we've got a base of people now that can create compelling content where you can tell and invent maybe a new story, not a pre-recorded story, right. but... You're inventing something new, and that maybe that becomes something that I can share on Facebook. And the fact that I shared it means that I got it. Yeah, right. Because it's not a pre recorded story that's already been shared, it's something unique and new because I played it on this day this year. And I think we're going to go more with that where we can share the experience with other people already you've i know you've seen um spectator gaming yeah of course ea games is pouring a lot of money into it several others are too right right Uh, pin um you uh papa tv papa tv on youtube is now huge it's getting to be now where tournaments if they don't have perfect screaming uh streaming People complain. Yeah, right. And, and <laughs> instead I, of thinking, of, instead you know, of enjoying it. Five, yeah. yeah, five years ago, it, people thought nobody would want to watch. Right, and now, they, they, and now, and now it's like a must-have. So yeah. I think that's the future of pinball. Is I and I think in twenty years, it's going to take a lot of iterations and experimenting and a sure. lot of failures. But I think in twenty years. People will be all sharing, you know, together in person as well as their, um, the people they care about uh, and the people they want to impress, sorry, um, you know, what they're doing and they'll be inventing something um, with each game, maybe composing something with each game. Maybe it won't be visual, maybe it'll be audio. Well, let's hope we don't have to wait 20 years for it. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> Jim, tell people where if they wanted to talk further and join the conversation and they wanted to contact you, where can they find you on the interwebs? Yeah, so uh, I'm on the on YouTube as JB Wiz. Just search for J-B-W-I-Z. Okay. Um, and also um, jbwiz6 at gmail.com. Okay. And um. Um, I think that's about right. <laughs> those are the main places you gotcha. can okay. get me. Those two places. And what, I'm on Facebook um, as 
jim.boo.56 also. Gotcha. Okay. And so we'll also have links to, to all that, of course, on our on our website and, and of course, on our YouTube channel, which, of course, is Tricky Kid TV, Tricky Kid Television. Uh, we'll have a direct path there so that for our listeners that uh, can, can, can make a direct path and, and, and check out all of this wonderful information uh, and, uh, and all the great stuff. And, again, like I said, look for, you know, if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you might have played a game or two that Jim actually owns who actually has – Put in that spot. Um, join us on the conversation also on Twitter. You can find us on Tricky Kid in the number two. If you want to ask Jim a question, uh, again, you know, go to his YouTube channel um, and keep this thing alive, man. If you haven't gone, they're already taking reservations um, and uh, in Frisco for next year's Texas March twenty second through twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen. There it is. If you're from out of town. Go to TexasPinball.com and look for the reser- the hotel lodging rever- reservations. Yeah. There is about four different hotels that are all within walking distance. Including the Embassy Suites. Including the Embassy it. Suites. The hosted, yeah. The Embassy Suites will probably sell out the quickest, but right. try to get a room because then that's so convenient. But if you miss that, get one of the other ones. Because there is a lot of rooms, that, the, you know, a lot of different choices out there, which makes it so much fun, yeah, too. There yeah. was almost 500 games this year, including yeah. almost 400 pinball. Yeah. There's, there's very few places you... There's very few places you could have ever seen that number of play, yeah, games in the in world. spot. Yeah, where you could do four, you know, 400 almost 500 pinball machines in one spot. You know, I, I'm hoping that they're going to break some sort of record next year, but it's one of the most respected and uh, and just enjoyable. And if you uh, were to go, you would definitely would, would, would see why. Jim, again, I can't thank you enough for joining us this week, and uh, we look forward to having you back and, and talking some more pinball soon. It's been a pleasure. On Twitter at the uh, Tricky Kid number two, it's Tricky Kid in the number two. Uh, check out Tricky Kid TV on YouTube. Uh, lots and lots of great episodes uh, we've we've had up there, and, and more coming. Uh, the best thing to do is subscribe to the show, man. You can you know you, of course you can stream it from our website, which is trickykid.com. That's tricky-kid.com. Again, I want to thank my guest Jim Burrow for for joining us. Uh, again, like you saw, just a, a walking. Uh, just resource of pinball and fun and just a great dude, man. Uh, so also speaking of Texas, we've got quite a few appearances coming up. Um, we just wrapped at the, uh, the fan expo in Dallas. So definitely go to trickykid.com. I we took so much great footage, all the great panels from the cast of back to the future, to Jeff Goldblum, to Chuck Norris, uh, cosplay as far as the eye can see. Um, lots and lots of great time there. Uh, you guys also know that I'm also involved, obviously, in professional wrestling. And I'm actually going to be um, with the uh, Imperial Wrestling Revolution, IWR, for their show in Quinlan this coming Saturday, uh, excuse me, uh, which is uh, April the 14th. It's April the 14th at, in Quinlan. Um, if you go to Imperial Wrestling Revolution, you'll be able to get all the details about tickets and everything else and come out and say hello, and uh, we're going to have a great time. Uh, we're actually going to be, uh, like I said, we're going to be hearing about from Mindy Raymond and John Robeson talking about their New Republic Studios. We're actually going to be down there in Austin, Texas, touring the facilities and doing all types of great stuff. Um, 
And then that evening, on April the 30th, uh, we're actually going to be uh, at the Mohawk with Melvins. Those of you who have listened to the show know that we're big, big Melvins fans. And if you haven't heard the Melvins episode, it's one of the best we've ever done. And it's one of my favorite interviews from the Melvins period. Lots and lots of great stuff. And so, uh, speaking of the Melvins, uh, that brings me to the song of the week. You know how prolific the Melvins are and come out with great stuff just about every single year, and this year is no different. Very excited to uh, to, to get this. Uh, you know how, the, how they've had two drummers in the past, and they have a revolving door of bass players. Well, now they've put two bass players on the same records and the same songs. It's a playoff of, uh, well, first of all, they have, of course, Stephen McDonald from Red Cross and Jeff Pincus from the Butthole Surfers, speaking also of Austin, Texas. Well... Uh, so now they're both on the record, and the record is called Pincus Abortion Technician. Of course, it's a playoff of the Butthole Surfers' Locust Abortion Technician, one of the weirdest records you'll ever hear in your entire life. Anyway, so uh, the first song I'm going to play for you is a song called Embrace the Rub. And uh, it comes out April 20th, so on Ipecac Records, definitely check that out. I love the Melvins. I'm very excited for this tour. They're going to be at Mohawk on April 30th. Tour dates are available. Again, this is Embrace the Rub off the new album from the Melvins, Pinkus Abortion Technician. Sam Jones slash Gordon. I'm with Roy Turner at Tricky Kid Radio. And you better be tuning in or I will find you. Yes, I will. Yes. <laughs> now uh, is Mindy Raymond. She is a, an actor, actress. She's a producer. Uh, she's an activist for the Texas Film Commission uh, and is an all-around renaissance woman. Mindy, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. Thank you so much for having me. So we were talking before. I said you guys uh, are trying currently right now to fight for some legislation to kind of bring kind of the Texas or bring the film industry a little bit more to Texas. Walk me through that a little bit. Yeah, so I actually, um, the last three years, I've been wearing the executive director hat for the Texas Motion Picture Alliance. 
And so we advocate for the incentive program. We're the initial lobby group um, that started the incentive program here in Texas about 10 years ago. And so each session we have to go back and kind of fight for, you know, um, a a piece of the pie, if you will, in the Texas budget. Um, And so every two years when legislators come back, we're just, we have to educate them on how important this program is to the livelihood of film, television, commercial, and video game industry here in the state. Um, so it's just, you know, I kind of see it as a lot of education that happens. Um, right. You know, we we talk about we're the advocacy group, but mainly we're just educating people. We're bringing them to set. We're giving them hard numbers on the data on how much money comes into our state when we have a really robust uh, incentive program. And let's face it, incentives are the name of the game now for films and TV shows. So we see it in Georgia, <laughs> how that right. state is just exploded because of a very competitive incentive program. So um, so how, how, does that, how does that work there, though? So for our listeners that, that may be like independent filmmakers or or maybe even big budget people that are looking to, to film, and what would be the incentive of filming in Texas? Um, so the program that goes through the Texas Film Commission that's at a state level, and there's a pro, you know our incentive amount can go up to twenty two and a half percent. Um, on a budget. We have a tiered system, so we're a little bit different than other states that just do a straight, you know, say 30%. Um, but the advantage of shooting in Texas, one, we've got every location you could possibly imagine within sure. our state. That's just the nature of being a big state. Um, but two, there's a lot of, you know, businesses, the, the cost of doing business in Texas is a lot cheaper than in New York and LA and now even really Georgia. Um, we don't have a state income tax. A lot of our, uh, you know, the business, the cost of lumber, the cost of gas, the cost of crew even is cheaper in Texas than in some of these other places. And so we really try to, especially the producers that are out there, kind of looking at where they should shoot their next film, I really encourage them to compare apples to apples. Because sure. yes, there's this grand idea of like, oh, I'll go to Georgia and I'll get 30% back. But if you're getting 30% back on a 200% markup, are you really saving that much money? Right, that's, so, that's, that's true, yeah. Yeah, and so we just, you know, that's our message is we're trying to bring in business. Plus, we have a lot, a lot of local incentives, and there's just, um, you know, Austin doesn't, you don't have to pay for permits, for example. So there's a lot of things that we do for the industry in each of our different areas and regions across Texas that really help, especially those independent filmmakers, that they could come here and make their movie under budget, you know, or at budget and, and have a great product to show for it. For sure, for sure. Now, now, and so the only reason why it seems like that maybe some people maybe not aren't doing that is because they're not aware of it. So, what kind of outreach work are you doing to raise the awareness of the of these incentives? Um, that's a great question. It's something that we're literally doing right now and trying to figure out what's the best way to um, let people know what we have to offer. <laughs> And again, really getting specific on those costs. Um, right now, it's a lot of just the board members who are on TXMPA. They're the VP of Panavision. They're the IOP president. They're the SAG after rep. So these people are very plugged into their pockets um, within the industry. So they're letting their folks know. It's a lot of this communication kind of one-on-one at this point. Something that we're working on for the future, though, is to have a central point of communication and a website that really kind of breaks down all of these different incentives, these benefits, what an independent filmmaker could get when they shoot in X, Y, and Z part of Texas. 
So we're, I, we're literally working on that right now. So it could just be kind of a one-stop shop for people to look at, and then they can go from there as far as where they're going to drop, well, that, you know, base camp. Right. Well, that's wonderful. Now, for those listening, in term, in like layman's terms, maybe a lot of people, maybe even people that are starting to make a film aren't even aware that there is incidents. Maybe people that watch TV or who go to the movies don't know that these filmmakers are – that this whole thing even exists. So talk a little bit about that. Like, like, what would you say to somebody that is just now getting into film? How would you break down the incentive program to them? Uh, great question. Uh, almost every state, I think there's about 40 states now that have some sort of an incentive program that does just that. It incentivizes people to come and shoot in their state. Um, it goes all the way, you know, it goes from about a 5% all the way up to a 35% um, incentive that they can get back on their production. Every state works different and is individual in how they run that incentive program. Ours, for example, is a rebate program, so you get reimbursed what you have spent in the state because we don't have a state income tax. So a lot of these tax credits or incentive programs are based on their state income tax. It comes into the state. So that's how Georgia does it, say, for example. Um, and so now, because it's become so commonplace, they, they budget that in. Um, a lot of folks, you know, take that into account when they're actually putting together a budget for their film. So say for a million-dollar budget, they're going to factor in that 30% that they would get back. Now, whether they actually get that back or not, it's always left up to question <laughs> until the project is wrapped and you kind of check all the boxes that you need to. So it's not – we don't encourage people to actually put that into the budget because it's always a big question mark. Um, and so we're just – you know, you've got to be smart in, in the way that you kind of do these budgets and, and those financials, right? right. Um, you can plan for it, and it's almost like kind of icing on the cake when you do get it, but don't actually – like I encourage people not to just count that in as part of their budget because – I see. And the whole number of things can happen. Um but it really is, I mean, where we're at now, too, we've got this whole new media world that's upon us with immersive media. Obviously, the video game industry is very vibrant and growing rapidly. Um, our program does incentivize video games and video game creation in Texas, and I know a lot of other programs don't across the United States, so that's one benefit that we have as well. Um, but also, too, in juxtaposition of that, a lot of this immersive media and the new media that we're seeing coming out, like they don't depend on the incentive programs. So I feel like there might be a little bit of a shift happening at some point. That pendulum is going to kind of swing back towards the middle where the incentive program may not be so important for all this content that's being created. You know, and there's going to be other ways that people are going to be able to get some money back on their um, on their budgets at the end of the day. Well, when you say get the money back, like, again, to, to those that are maybe new to the industry, and, and that's kind of what this this series is about, is what is that process? Let's say you, you've wrapped your film, um, you're now headed into post-production, uh, or let's say even you've wrapped post-production and now you're headed towards distribution. So when you say get the money back, what is that process like? Yeah, so for Texas, um, specifically speaking, we and we rebate back on what they've spent in Texas. So whether they've hired Texas crew, they've hired Texas actors, or they've spent money at Texas locations that are based here, say Southwest Airlines, American Airlines, you know those companies that are right. based here in Texas. 
So they will, they've got a very detailed sort of checklist that they have to return back to the Texas Film Commission with all of their receipts, all of their numbers in place. They show exactly what went into the project, exactly how much was spent on this Texas, you know, spend. And then there's two audit processes that happen through the Texas Film Commission. So they basically go through their books and they look and make sure, okay, yes, this matches up. All of this is looks good. This looks great. We've got certain guidelines where a producer has to hire 70% Texas crew okay. in order to qualify for our program, and they have to shoot 60% of their production days within Texas. So as long as all of these things match up and everything looks good at the end of their books and they've wrapped, literally the state of Texas cuts them a check and says, thank you for spending money in Texas. Here's your 22.5% back on production. Now, ours takes about eight months to get back to folks, which is, a lot less time New York. I know it takes about a year for them to get money back. Um, every state is a little bit different. Louisiana is a few years, you know, for a while. They were like almost 18 months, I think, behind. I think they're catching oh, up now, though. My goodness. So, yeah, it's a process. So, again, you can't, you know, it's not overnight that this is going to happen or the next week you're going to get a check from the state of Texas. But because they have to do their due diligence as well and make sure right. that, you know, these productions are really spending what they're spending in Texas. So it's a long process. There's a lot of people that have to be involved. Um, you know, I think for TXMPA, we're looking to sort of help with more of those local incentives. San Antonio is doing it right now where they give a 7.5% back for those who shoot within San Antonio um, city limits there. So if you tack that onto the state incentive, you get a 30% back you know, on your budget. So, and it's a lot um, less of a process. You're not going through the state and a lot of things that need to happen. You're going through the city, which is a little bit more manageable. So that's what we're kind of focusing on are those local incentives too. And what does that look like, especially for independent filmmakers? Well, don't you think, okay, so how does that get funneled though? So if they, you said the turnaround rate is between, like I said, in, Depending on certain places, it could be eight months, it could be 18 months. How does that work, though? Like when the state cuts them a check, is that funneled through the Texas Film Commission and then you send the filmmaker the – like like how does that trail work? Right now, the arms funds come out of general revenue um, from the state. So, yeah, so they would get – not specifically from the Texas Film Commission. They get a check back from the comptroller, like the state of Texas. Gotcha. Okay. So okay. That's where the money comes back to the producers. Um, okay. Yeah, and each, like I said, each state can be a little bit different, and where that money gets funneled, and how they have it budgeted within their state budget. Um, but that's just kind of where where ours comes from. And the Texas Film Commission that you were part of, the the board that you sit on, is kind of a to use a baseball term. It's like a murderer's row of some pretty heavyweights in the film industry. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I, there's two separate entities here. The Texas Film Commission is under the governor's office, and so they are a very, you know, they're hired through the governor's office. They're state workers. Um, they work under the governor directly. We are Texas Motion Picture Alliance, so TXMPA, which is our, we're a nonprofit um, organization. So there's two sort of separate entities, right, that, right. that we have in play here. Um, so our board members, have, are very heavy hitters in the industry. Right, um, and right. they were the ones that, you know, 10 years ago, they saw the writing on the walls with these incentive programs that were starting to pop up, and they knew that we had to get in the game because otherwise we're – I mean, Texas used to just be 
massive for production. Yeah. You know, we had a ton of stuff happening in the 80s and 90s and pretty much like throughout 2000s, but then it started to, you know, by 2006, we started to see those incentive programs pop up. So a group of very um, high-level stakeholders in the state decided, let's let's get together, let's build a program, what's it going to look like? And they put together a lobby team, and they basically, you know, came up with the legislation of what our program looks like. So our legislation is in place. We're a line item in the Texas budget. Um, so each year we have to go back and just fight for the funding of our program. Um, so the good news is we'll always have a program as long as it sits in that line budget, and it's one of the governor's trusted programs. So Governor Abbott has about four programs that are considered as trusted programs. Ours is one of them. He sees this as a very viable you know, uh, industry that needs to be supported. Fantastic. So that's why we fall under him, and we fall under the economic development kind of umbrella at the state capitol. So, so probably more information than listeners want to know, but <laughs> well, no, no, that, no, that's exactly that's what our our show is known for. Is I I we get into the minutia of things. Uh, for yeah. Broad, yeah. The, the show isn't called broad generalization. It's uh, <laughs> we really get into, get into it. it. So yeah. So, so I'm I'm very I'm very grateful for that that in depth knowledge and 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 the, the confidence that you uh, immediately. Uh, um, are able to convey uh, with, with how well you know this and and uh, how clearly how passionate you are about it. Uh, where can people find out more about this uh, online for, for our listeners? So, yeah, so our organization uh, the website is txmpa.org. Again, that stands for the Texas Motion Picture Alliance. And through session, when we are actually in legislative session, we have a lot of information that comes out onto our website as far as action items, what people need to do, call to actions, um, you know, just news articles, information on what's happening at the Capitol in reference to our program. So that's a great way. Obviously, we're on Facebook, too, under TXMPA or the Texas Motion Picture Alliance, um, and they can just, you know, follow us there. We are on Twitter, same thing, Texas Motion Picture Alliance, and, okay. um, you know, we just we're very active during session because we know rumors fly all the time, especially in this industry. You're on set and one thing gets said and, you know, it's like the telephone game by the end of the day. Right. right. All hell breaks loose. So <laughs> we really try to communicate the honest truth. Like here is exactly what's happening. Squelch any of those rumors that are out there. Um, I usually do Facebook live every Friday during session just to inform people on what's happening at the Capitol, what we're hearing, what they need to do, have them ask questions, you know, have really that open dialogue so that we want everyone to come from a very educated place, especially our crew members, those who are, you know, depend on this program for their livelihood. Um, we want them to know that we're, we're communicating, we're advocating, and we're educating all at the same time. And if they want to get involved, uh, even as a non-filmmaker, just because they believe in the cause, is there any sort of volunteer program or is there any sort of activism that, that they can do if they want to get involved? Absolutely. So on our website, um, they can contact us through the website, and we do. We have tons of volunteers. Um, we do a lot of events. We're going to start doing even more events on a statewide level. Um, we're active in all the different regions throughout Texas. So my board members are um, in you know, Dallas, they're in Houston, uh, El Paso, San Antonio. We're, we're kind of Amarillo. We're all over the gamut. So um, 
yeah, they definitely can get involved on a number of different levels and ways and just even just helping us like share the information that's that's really key for us just getting the the right information out to the people letting them know what's happening but we we love our volunteers and we love you know we can we're not profit so we can never right. have too many volunteers helping us out for sure well you heard it from uh directly from the source of Minnie Raymond so there will be also will be links on our website at trickykid.com where you can get involved uh, and, and all the links that Mindy has mentioned uh, will be there for you guys to click on, get involved, uh, learn about this incentive program for filmmakers, and just it's just a great thing for the state of Texas. It's a great thing for for the film industry uh, and everybody uh, at large. It's kind of a win-win-win thing across the board, and that's what we're trying to do is kind of get the word out about that. Now, Mindy, before we, we wrap here, of course, I've got to ask you some questions about your own uh, acting career, uh, you have uh, been on set for some of the some of the biggest and best um, TV shows in the last you know 15, 20 years. Uh, the Sopranos, uh, Ugly Betty. Uh, one of my favorites was Gossip Girl. I uh, <laughs> kind of obsessed with that show. I I, I have a uh, I have a younger sister who uh, who uh, inadvertently uh, got me addicted to that show. So talk to me a little bit about some of your experiences on some of these big sets, specifically Gossip Girl? Sure. So um, after I graduated from the University of Texas and an acting teacher of mine told me that I've kind of learned what I can learn in Texas and if I really want to take this career seriously, I need to move either to New York or L.A. And he said, specifically, if you want to study, like go to New York. So that's what I did. I applied to an acting conservatory, went out to New York and just, you know, jumped in kind of the deep end at a conservatory there. Unfortunately, this was a time when all of these great shows were shooting in New York. Um, and so I was able to be involved with a lot of them. Um, and it was just, you know, it was an awesome experience. Gossip Girl, we shot at Columbia University. Um, I was able to be on set for a few weeks with them, which was great. And we just, it's an amazing team, when, especially when you have these big productions at this point. They had worked together for a few seasons. So it's like a well-oiled machine. Right. Um, but, you know, you're just surrounded, you're in the big city, and you're you're working on a TV show, and I don't think there's really anything better. Um, it's just it's a great environment. Sopranos was an amazing experience as well. They were definitely in their heyday. Um, I had some fun conversations with James Gandolfini out, um, you know, on break when we were just kind of sitting out on a bench in front of the soundstage right. where we were shooting. And, I mean, it's just those moments, too, and Edie Falco was there, and um, it's, being on camera is obviously great and exciting, but it's really those moments when the when the camera stops rolling and you can have those honest conversations and just chat with people and get to know their their history and learn a little bit more about them, especially these great actors that you get to surround yourself with. Right, um, right. So it's just you know it's a complete high that that a lot of people who are in this industry you know they get these great opportunities and you just you're floating on air for a few weeks after those experiences. <laughs> for um, sure. And didn't know right. uh, Christopher Walken's wife, Georgiana, was the casting director for The Sopranos, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, these were just, I mean, it was a time, too, I feel like it was such a whirlwind. You know, again, you're immersed in these, in my studies. I had eight hours a day of school, and then I was able to audition, and then be on set, and it was just like this phenomenal world that I was living in. Um, I was doing improv at night, too. We were performing at all over New York. Um, a couple of the shows we did on Caroline's on Broadway, which was super exciting. Um, 
And so, yeah, you just get these these experiences um, that I want to see the world. But you're, yeah, you have to put in the work, though, right? I mean, that, 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 that's, that's the message right here to listeners out there. Is that you hear Mindy talking, she worked her ass off uh, yes. all day doing this. What, what's, tell me some advice that you would give to a young actor that, let's say, was where you were at at that point where you kind of felt like you'd taken it as far as you're going to take it in Texas, the acting level. Would you be? Would you give the same advice you were given about going to LA or New York? I think for studying at that time, um, that's really you know this was back in 2002, so this was some time ago. Not aging myself or anything, but um, yeah, to really kind of jump in if you wanted to immerse yourself in this world of acting and really get it, you know, study from the greats. Um, I still think New York is the best place to go for that. Um, you know, it's interesting though because I did have these great you know, moments of, of acting in New York and LA and they were, you know, they're, they're co-star roles. There's nothing like, I'm not a season you know, series regular at that point. But when I came back to Texas after having that experience in New York and LA, all of a sudden, like, you know, I feel like my career really took off. Again, you kind of become a little bit of a bigger fish in a smaller pond, so to speak. Um, so that's when I was, you know, landing the, the, leads and feature films and, and being able to kind of jump out to some bigger roles in that regard. Uh, but thing too, I, I really stress this to people, you cannot let your creativity or your your art, your craft, whatever you're working on in that regard, be the sole provider of your income. I cannot stress this enough. Right. The moment I, I took something else and I was able to financially become stable, all of a sudden my creativity got you know, it, it took leaps and bounds. It just it exploded because I was not so desperate on booking this job to pay my rent, you know? Yeah, I eat. think there's so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's so much that is created. You know, there's people like we put so much pressure on our art and we put so much pressure on, on that creativity to, to feed our souls, of course, but also literally feed us. And right. it's, that's really, it's a challenge and it's a burden to put on yourself and on your art and your creativity because it does. You come across desperate. You come um, from a place of desperation. And it just, if I can stress anything at all, it's just have something else where you get your income that is stable to where you can then, like, really thrive in your creativity. Great advice from a industry veteran. Mindy, thank you so much uh, for thank joining you, Troy, us this, this week. Thank you, great. And thank you again. Like I said, fantastic advice across the board there from uh, one of the great industry veterans. Uh, Many, I can't thank you enough for sharing such, uh, again, invaluable, uh, not only advice, but also sharing your own experiences uh, for for all the people out there that are currently working or wanting to work and uh, being a part of this great industry uh, right here in Texas. So once again, Mindy, uh, if you want to repeat where they can find you guys online. Sure. We are at pxmpa.org. And for the Texas Motion Picture Alliance.org, and we're on Facebook, TXMPA. Or TXMPA as well. Check it out. Again, Mindy, thank you again so much for joining us this week. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was fun. I appreciate it. Hey, folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. You might know me from such iconic classic films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Vulgar. Anyway, you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio. Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. 
Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Hey, everybody. This is actor-musician Scott Schiaffo, best known from the Kevin Smith films Clerks and Vulgar. You are listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Joining us now is the chairman and CEO, John Robinson, of New Republic Studios down in Austin. He is a long veteran in the film industry. Uh, he's on the board of Awesome Film Society in, studi- in studios, along with Richard Linklater, and part of the Austin Music Awards with South by Southwest. John, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. Glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about New Republic Studios. It's a, it's a gorgeous, sprawling complex down there just outside of Austin. Yeah, New Republic uh, is the, the name New Republic Studios, um, which is uh, uh, the new name of it. When Tommy Warren built it as Spiderwood uh, back in 2009, and, you know, I, I really uh, uh, am just continuing on with and putting my whole spin of building out what what you know part of tommy's division was and and he uh is you know emeritus is always a part of it he and i think the same way so i'm i'm just excited to to have it uh it was really the premier purpose-built stages in the state of texas texas has been such a location shoot but there really hasn't been enough manufacturing facilities no real lot converted warehouses and things of that nature but not purpose-built. And it's more than just traditional content. I see it as a home for the convergence of technology and content. You know, Austin and Texas have been very, very ripe for technology, and companies have been moving here right and left. You know, Apple has more employees here than California, blah, blah, blah. That's right. But the content companies haven't looked at it through those same glasses. They, they, because they're still stuck in the producers like gypsies chasing film credits around state to state. Right, right. And I look at it as a bigger thing than that. And um, Atlanta's full and California's full. And I said, what we need here if we want, because there's been like in Bastrop, Austin area, like 70 productions. Yeah. Okay. But if we want, to build more TV shows and we've got to have more manufacturing facilities. And then we've got to move to short form programming. Everything from education and advertising is becoming short form, multi-platform storytelling. Okay. Right. And we educate people to do that very well here in Texas. Our education system for technology and gaming and all of that stuff is very good, but those jobs are leaving the state. I want to keep them here. Okay. For sure. So I want, I want a creative campus that not only deals with everything from AR and VR and mixed realities, but it's location-based, meaning uh, people are going to come there for experiences, whether it's kids and, and, and games and, and, and stuff like The Void, or whether it's training for medical or oil field or what have you using VR. But the content, whether it's educational or entertainment can be built the same. And I want our environment here to bring the creative and to have a farm team. So Austin Film Society owns Austin Public or runs Austin Public. 
And that's a perfect thing for kids and people to start. You can come in and get equipment and start making content. And then as people get more and more educated, I want to have a farm team, a place for them to go to where things can be created and then the cream rises to the top and 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 uh, and productions can be made. You know, Fantastic. whether it's... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. Whether it's entertainment or education, you know, yeah. uh, I believe that Technology is the medium that delivers content, right. whether it's any of those. And that's why everything I've done is really set up for the convergence of those two. And I just felt that Texas was the right right place to do that because I think ultimately the access to resources and technology and education and, 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 and labor is here. Uh, and the content companies are going to catch up with the tech companies. I just realized it first and am building the, you know, premier facilities for that. Well, this is a great vision that you have, John. And, and talk a little bit about to our listeners because we're trying to educate them about what's happening currently with the legislation uh, that provides incentives for people to actually to film in Texas. I have a <laughs> – I have a different view of it because I'm involved politically a lot. I And I guess maybe the right word is empathy. I look at it the same way that the legislators look at it that are sometimes problematic um, because there's two different negative influences with the legislative agendas here. And one of them is... There's a group of people who they feel like uh, they're being compared to the NEA and that these people are showing up and saying, you know, you're evil because you're taking away our grants and our, 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 our money so that we can make films about how much we hate you. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. they, they, they look at it as as if they're wearing a fur coat and these people are coming in to spray paint them. They abuse them and they, they treat them like that. That Whether that's exactly what's being communicated, it's what they perceive right, on one right. side. Okay. Then there's the other side that's still on the, the not friends of that I think um, it's kind of like a couple divorcing and using their kids as wedge fighting tools. It's not really about us. And the incentives, it's just a good wedge issue to take yeah. away and to, to divide. But here's the bigger issue solution, in my opinion. Content in all its forms is the second largest, very often, export in this country. Okay? Mm -hmm. And Texas is about creating jobs. You know, move Toyota here and we'll, we'll do all kinds of things, you know. And what they haven't seen, because Texas doesn't want to be in the business of being one of the states where the the gypsies come and then someone else does a better incentive and everyone is gone. They right. don't Texas is like we, we build for permanence, we build jobs. And so what I'm doing is also looking at the jobs that we move here and the jobs we keep from leaving here. Our education system, Texas A and M Biz Lab is the finest in the country, I mean, Pixar hires, University of Texas, RTF, all all around 
here. There are people educated that are leaving here and we're letting them. So I'm working with the legislators to see the ecosystem that is content as an export and as a job generator and a jobs program for veterans and a job program for cyclical workers like in the oil field where they can be trained through the Workforce Commission, be behind the, the camera types of jobs. It's a it's a great sustainable industry, but let's do it through jobs and let's not do it through appropriated funds as a grant or a rebate, but let's do it as a, uh, as a credit against franchise tax. And it's not that the movie is going to generate that much franchise tax, but it's the budget of the movie and the companies like Exxon and AT&T and Apple, all the big companies that are here paying franchise tax, uh, if they can market this tax credit to them and for 90 cents on the dollar, uh, the, the state doesn't have to appropriate those funds. It's just funds it's not getting. But guess what? They're going to get them another way out of those same companies. <laughs> right, right. Okay? But yeah. the companies get a discount. The same people that say, okay, I'm going to pay 3% 10 net 30 to get a, a 3% discount on on payables. Well, this is a 10% discount on a chunk of, uh, you know, of their franchise tax, and they get to benefit from it. AT&T is doing so much in buying content companies and building, you know, the stuff that they're going to do in the areas of Amazon and Netflix and all that. I just say there's a lot of that to be here, and I'm trying to make it to where we're not a wedge issue, but we're a real sustainable, um, you know, content engine. And in order to do that, we got to have manufacturing facilities. Let's look at Atlanta. Let's look at Georgia. You know, the Cathy's, the Cathy's who I know are kind of funny. Most of Hollywood doesn't know, but the Cathy's own Chick-fil-A and they're the ones who own Pinewood in Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Same people running around on their stages with 65 productions right now have very little idea that the people they're boycotting are uh, on it, you know, but, <laughs> but they too in Georgia were conservatives and all that and kind of going off of Tyler Perry and some other people there, they said, Hey, if we build this and that shows we're serious, then we go put pressure on the legislators to right. say, now that we've done this and now look at Atlanta, now look at Georgia. Okay, no one's done that in Texas, but Austin is a better place than Atlanta. It's in the center. You can get two and a half hours either way. You're all over the country. Yep. 300 days of sun, access to labor in the creatives and access to labor. And it's a cool factor. People just want to be here and there's no state income tax. Okay, so for those reasons. And if you look at between Austin and Bastrop, you're 20 20 minutes from the airport to our place, 25. And all the creatives are moving out to Bastrop. We're in the middle of four top 10 population cities in the United States. It's a prime chunk of real estate right there. Not to mention it's an ideal setting for any shoot you would want, you know? Well, we can look like North Carolina or we can look like 
you could have filmed the movie Predator in our deep ravines with all the vines. <laughs> it looks like, I mean, um, you and then you've got pastures and you've got, oh, yeah. and yet it's it's all laid out so you can look like you're in the jungle, but you're a hundred feet away from access for equipment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's else, so well, it's so well. Where cut else can out. you do that, right? In and we have a mile and a half of riverfront with rapids and big water and islands and you know. It's so varied looking. I mean, Tommy looked forever to find this piece of property. <laughs> and they did, and it was, you know, it's just, it's just the piece of heaven from a shooting standpoint. I mean, there's so many things you can shoot there uh, and never leave the place. Then you can go into the stages and do your ADRs and all right there. And so I look at it as now, what do we need to build out? And that's what we're in the middle of. Uh, doing making bigger stages uh more of them for television shows making uh stuff for ar vr uh making office space making storage for flats making creative office space which is almost impossible to get in austin yes yes you know <laughs> i know that well i mean if i'm a real estate owner why am i going to do a short-term lease when i could get a venture-backed tech company on a five-year deal <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course, and it's, it's, just, so, it's just good business. Uh, and, talk to our listeners a little bit about what are some of the productions that have already been shot uh, there in New Republic or some exciting things that they can look forward to that, that are coming? A lot of my family's home movies, largely. No. <laughs> uh, my mother's very good. No, uh, things that are shot around there from there's different categories of things there's a lot of oddly enough of stuff i'm talking about corporate yes. and commercials we're we're perfectly situated for independence and corporate and commercials and you know rooster teeth shoots a lot of productions out there uh amc's the sun is filmed there uh fear of the walking dead's walking all around there now, uh, Revolution was shot there. Lots of of films uh, and pieces of films that have been shot in the Bastrop area and the Transformers, Friday the 13th, stuff like that. There's there's a lot of uh, also independent productions that I don't even uh, know know the uh, know the name of. I think Mindy, our people have you know a whole library of of that stuff that. Uh, and, I don't know, Super Bowl commercial, Guillermo del Toro has helped design the psych stage, uh, our big psych stage, uh, done early, uh, you know, motion capture and all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's, 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 um, but yet it's been, me. but yet it's been underutilized. It, it, you know, it wasn't really marketed. It was the best kept secret. And, uh, Mindy Raymond done a phenomenal job of, of, uh, you know, of of inviting new people into it, and they've and it's, it's filling up. We've got a TV show looking at um, taking it for two or three years. The uh, production, we'll redo the production so we bullpen and it would just be a, a home. You know, well, we we had we actually had Mindy on earlier, and she was telling us a little bit of that. Of course, she was very very passionate, of course, about 
you know, and, and, and keeping people or inviting people to come to, to, to Texas and uh, to film uh, in the state of Texas. And that's the message that uh, this whole series is, that we're making is about. So in closing, what, what would your advice be to uh, not just an independent filmmaker uh, with a small budget, but even a large filmmaker uh, or you know, production with a large budget? What advice would you give them about coming to shoot in Texas, specifically uh, in the Republic? I would say to look at the advantages of doing it and if it if 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 for the filming reasons not the financial reason it makes sense it's a great place to come then don't let the financial reasons of a perceived lack of incentive get in the way because it's actually different uh we Suzanne Reigert on the president of our board at AFS is a producer a perfect example for a film that was a medium level film, they would have got another million six in credits from Atlanta. But because of the production here and the cost savings and the stuff that we're doing in our our stages and et cetera, et cetera, we are our own incentives. We can make the cost come down to where the producers are like, oh, actually, yeah. So I wouldn't get hung up on the perceived apples to apples incentives because they're not apples to apples. I would ask if you're coming here, ask people like me, this is what I'm offered. I want to shoot it here, but this was my gap with my producers. How can I get through that? Guess what? We can find ways both through us being the incentives and locally and all kinds of, of other things. It doesn't have to be, just that type of uh, of a program there i mean there's lots of ways to do that here and your your costs end up you know more favorable plus it's a lot better for your crews and it's just a great place to be you know great advice from an industry veteran uh, again john i can't thank you enough for joining us this week on tricky kid radio uh and again to all of the filmmakers out there uh listening t- uh, today Again, this complex is so amazing. John, can you tell people where they can find out more about New Republic? Uh, NewRepublicStudios.com. And that's the destination to go to. Uh, To find out more, check it out. We'll have links, of course, to this, obviously, on our website. And, of course, we'll be repeating it all throughout the program. Again, yeah, uh, get on the mailing list. Get on the uh, Twitter feeds, the Facebook, all all of those feeds. There's, There's... Good good stuff happening on there all the time. There you go, right there. Again, John, thank you again so much for joining us uh, this week. We certainly appreciate your time, my friend. Good day. Thanks. Thank thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Thanks again to all my guests for joining us this week. Uh, To Mindy Raymond for all that great information about Texas and, uh, and, and shooting in Texas and all the great incentives and all the great information for the filmmakers. And also, of course, head of New Republic Studios, working with many courses, John Robeson. I uh, want to thank Jim Burrow, man. That was so much fun, uh, being able to talk about pinball and recapping the Texas Pinball Festival. Really is one of my favorite weekends of the entire year. And, of course, nothing brings me uh, more joy than bringing you new music from the Melvins, one of my all-time favorite bands. Definitely look them up. They're, they have an uh, eight-week tour, I think it's a 12-week tour coming up. So we're going to catch the show actually in Austin. 
at the Mohawk on April 30th. Uh, and don't forget to check us out, man. You know, like I said, IWR, Imperial Wrestling Revolution. Lots of shows coming up in the month of April, coming up this Saturday the 14th in Quinlan, Texas. And then again, the 21st at Eddie Dean's in downtown Dallas, Texas. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you want to subscribe to the show. That's the best way to do it. Just go on to iTunes, uh, type in Tricky Kid Radio, click the subscribe button, and shows just like this one will be in uh, your iTunes each and every single week. And if you're not an iTunes user, you are not being forsaken. We're on all the major formats. You also can go to our website of trickykid.com. That's T-R-I-C-K-Y uh, hyphen K-I-D dot com. Uh, and you can also can stream it and download it from there. And also we'll see pictures uh, of Mindy Raymond and, uh, and John Robeson in the studio and, and all and some footage links to uh, to our footage from the, from the Texas Pinball Festival. And all types of great stuff. So, once again, uh, thank you for joining us. Again, I'm your host, Roy Turner. We appreciate you listening to Tricky Kid Radio, and we'll see you next week.